0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode. I pray these are a blessing. I welcome you today, and I thank you for tuning in. We are in the book of Revelation, and we are going to try to conclude Revelation chapter 11 with this episode, and then we will begin Revelation chapter 12 in the next episode. Lord willing. So let's begin the discussion today by reading Revelation chapter 11, and we want to read that final section again. So I'll begin the reading in verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquake, and great hail. So let's consider this section today. We've looked in quite a bit of detail over the last several episodes at this particular section. And so we want to conclude today with just some focus on some of the key elements that we are told here in these final verses. And we want to focus on the judgments and the declaration. We looked in detail at this declaration in some other ways in the past, Notice that this is the I am that is being praised here. He is the one, the unchanging one. He is always holy, always righteous, always just, always true, always merciful, always good, always pure. And as we're going through Revelation, it's important that we remember these things because God is pouring out judgment, but that's not his ultimate desire. His preference was for people to be saved. His preference always is that mercy can triumph over judgment. But because he is always holy, always pure, and always just, as well as being always merciful and good and kind. He must be a just judge. So as we get deeper in this and we realize that the judgment is now decreed on its way and cannot be stopped, it is certain and sure. We remember and praise him because he is a just God. So we're told here that it's time in this declaration, in this worship song that the 24 elders are singing, we learn that the time has now come for three things specifically that are mentioned here. First is to judge the dead. This would include both the saved dead and the unrighteous dead, although they will be judged in two different ways and to some degree at two different times. The one will not come as yet. It will come later. But let's look at these. So, the judging of the dead. First of all, let's talk about the unholy people, the unrighteous people. Those who never got saved, those who never believed in Jesus Christ, those who never accepted him as Messiah, as Lord and Savior of their life, they are going to be judged. There is a coming judgment for them. It's already decreed. We read about it in Revelation chapter 20, and we will look at it in a moment. And it is for all who died apart from Jesus, all who died and never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and never reached out to God for forgiveness of their sins and to be saved and born again of the Spirit of the living God. Then there is a judgment for the righteous servants, those of the Lord. And that is called the Bema seat, judgment seat of Christ. And I have a series called Beaming at the Bema, where I get into detail in that, but we will talk about a few elements of it today. Then he says the third thing that it's time for now is to destroy those who are destroying the earth those who have corrupted the earth, those who are perverting it. So let's talk about these three in a little bit of detail as we conclude this chapter today. It's time to judge the dead. The unbeliever, let's look at Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 says this, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works was cast into the lake of fire. This is the final judgment for the unbeliever. It is called the great white throne judgment. We will get more into it when we get to that section in Revelation. However, you may need to understand, you need to understand that this is the judgment that will secure their destiny. All of these that this will apply to in eternal damnation into hell, into the lake of fire, or what we typically might call hell. It's an eternal doom is what they have looking for them. These are the ones where their name is not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Book of Life spoken of here is the Lamb's Book of Life. That is the citizenry, the registry, so to speak, Of all those who have given their heart and their life to Jesus, received him as their Lord and Savior, and are destined for heaven as their eternal home, eternal life awaiting them. If your name is not in that Lamb's book of life, you will not be in heaven. You will be sent to the lake of fire in that second death. That's what the Bible teaches us. We don't necessarily like to hear it, but it's the truth. And we must understand the truth. The Lamb's Book of Life is very, very important. And I have a message on that. It's part of my Thy Kingdom Come series. I believe it's lesson five or six. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say it might be lesson six. I also have on my website a link to a video message speaking about is being born again in the Old Testament and you can find that on my website www.covenanttruthministries.com if you would like to look that up but we must be born again our names must be found written in the lamb's book of life to escape the eternal doom that awaits all who will be at the great white throne judgment and a part of the second death. Even Daniel the prophet spoke of the eternal destiny awaiting all at their resurrection. I'd like to take a quick look at that. It's found in Daniel chapter 12. And in Daniel chapter 12, I want to begin the reading in verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, some to shame. And everlasting contempt. Even Daniel had a prophetic word about the coming judgments that different ones will face. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14 also speaks of this. Solomon writes this in that passage. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all for God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing whether good or evil Paul also speaks of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 it says this therefore judge nothing before the time until the lord comes who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness And reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. So, Paul is speaking about coming judgment and that it is committed to the Lord and he will be the one who will bring it to light in his time and in his way. We also need to remember in considering all of this that evil will be judged. Evildoers will have a day of reckoning, and there will be judgment coming, even though in this life it may not appear so. I'd like to read a couple of places from the Psalms on this point. First of all, I want to read in Psalm chapter 37. I'd like to begin the reading in verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evil doers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke, they shall vanish away. So in the Psalms, we are seeing that we are guaranteed the the prophetic word is that the wicked will have their day of reckoning. The evildoers will not continue to prosper forever. I want to read Psalm 73 also. This is a psalm written by Asaph and it gives us an insight into a struggle that Asaph was having within himself. He was struggling inside with this. And he writes his words down for us. So let's read that. Beginning in verse one, it says this Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, How does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. So, Asaph here is telling us so far that he's got this problem he's dealing with, because it sure looks like the wicked the ones who plot against good people, the ones who are always scheming evil things, oh, they seem to be prospering. They don't seem to be having any trouble in life. They seem to be making loads of money. They're always living life at ease. They don't seem to be having trouble. And so let's go on and see Asaph's continued struggle and his own thoughts as he records them for us. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long, I've been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. In other words, Asaph is dealing with his own struggle in his mind, and he's saying, it feels like to me that I'm living this godly life in vain. But he says, if I say that, then my influence could hurt the other children, the children of the Lord. So, I'm dealing with this inside. Sometimes we do the same within ourselves and we have to struggle inside to find the answers. Notice where he found his answer and how this turned out. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. Their end. Asaph found the answer to this struggle within him because God revealed to him their end is nothing but doom. They might seem to be getting by now, they might seem to be prospering now. But oh no, Asaph, that's not their end. I am a just God, I will bring all things to justice, and they will have their day of reckoning. We need to remember that today because we can certainly see evil seems to be prospering. And yet God is telling us it will have a day of reckoning and God will deal with all evil and all evildoers. Their end is destruction and eternal torment. There is no such thing, let's clear this air right now, as soul sleep, There is no such thing as reincarnation. There is no such thing as purgatory. There is no such thing as annihilation. These are not true. When a person dies, their body goes in the ground, their soul and their spirit will either go into a temporary torment place called hell or Gehenna or however you want to call it right now until judgment day comes for them, or if they're a believer in Jesus Christ, they've been born again of the Spirit of the living God, their soul and their spirit, Paul said, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. It will be in the Lord's presence if you are a believer. But these that we're talking about in this judgment here for the dead that are unbelievers refused Jesus Christ all of their life, even through their final breath, They will face this forever torment in the lake of fire. It is forever burning with sulfur and brimstone. There is a huge stench to it. The worm never dies, we're told in the scripture. It's a place of eerie and utter darkness, the kind that crawls on you, the kind that makes you crawl, your skin crawl. It's a place of utter loneliness. There's no partying in hell. It's a place of no light, no joy, no peace, and no escape. There is no parole. There is no probation. There is no getting out of this place. No escape. But I have good news to share with you because no one ever has to go there. It wasn't even created for one person to be there. That was never in God's mind. When he made it, it was created for the devil and his angels and only for them. People go there of their own choice because they reject the one and only Lord and Christ Jesus, the Messiah that God has sent to save the world. The gift is offered, but only if you receive that gift and you apply it to your life can you benefit from it. God made the gift available to all. And I pray that you receive him today if you have not already. You don't have to go there. I want us to turn now to Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is speaking here about a judgment that he will bring on the nations, sheep and goat nations, etc. And he's going to judge people at that time. And those who did not obey him, those who didn't come to know him, it says here. And to them, he says this in verse 41. It says this, then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me. You cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And then he goes on and he gives the reason why he's having to bring this judgment upon them. This is true of also of all who reject Jesus Christ. They will be turned into this lake of fire and it is called the second death. And it is because they refused to receive him as Lord and Savior. The main question that every person must answer is this, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he the savior of the world? Has he paid the penalty for your sins? Do you believe in him and believe that God raised him from the dead, accepting his payment in full? And will you be justified by faith alone, believing in him for your salvation or not? If you do not, this is what awaits you in the end, if you do not repent. The second thing that it's time for here is the Bema Seat Judgment, the rewards for God's servant. As I mentioned before, I do have an entire series on the Bema Seat. It is called Beaming at the Bema, and I encourage you to check that out. It's in the archives. I also have an episode on the Lamb's Book of Life, and I encourage you to look that up. I believe it is in the Thy Kingdom Come series, lesson five or lesson six. But let's look at a few scriptures as we begin to understand a little bit more about the Bema Seat. I won't get into great detail here, but I do encourage you to check out where I did that series And you can find a lot more information there. But let's cover a few of the basic scriptures. The first one I want us to look at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to read verses 9 and 10. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. I want to stop right there for a moment. I encourage you to make it your aim that no matter what, you will always be well-pleasing to Jesus. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And that word for bad means useless or worthless. We're all going to be there, every believer. That's who Paul is writing to here is the Christians. And he says, every Christian must appear before the Bema seat of Jesus Christ. And we're going to receive rewards for what we did, whether our, our work was good or whether it was worthless or useless. Now let's find out what happens to each one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul tells us more about this famous seat judgment and about how the testing will be done for every work that we have done. In verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning there, it says this, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. He's talking about that coming day of our judgment, the Bema Seat judgment will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So Paul is giving us here, the way the testing will be done is through this fire on that Bema Seek judgment day. And every work will be tested for its motive, as well as for what was done, whether it was a pure motive, whether we did it for selfish reasons or for gain gain or whatever, or whether we did it sincerely in service to the Lord for the administration of the gift he had given to us and entrusted to us. And we will be rewarded accordingly. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, you can read where Jesus spoke about the parable of the talents, and some were given five talents, some were given two, some were given one. And God expected an accounting of what they had done with the talents that God had given them, with the gifts that God had given to them. Did they use them for his glory? Did they bring forth fruit and increase for him? Or did they bury them? And they were each judged accordingly on that day of reckoning when he returned, and on that day that they had to give an account. And notice this, the key on everyone was faithfulness. What were you given and what did you do with it? Were you faithful with it? It's not so much about the amount, it's about faithfulness in whatever you were entrusted with. And so we see that in Matthew chapter 25, And in Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 through 51, Jesus speaks about these things also. We need to remember, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that faith without faith is impossible to please the Lord because it tells us that he who pleases God and believes must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us with more of him because in Genesis fifteen one, he told Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. And Jesus is, he's the reward for all of us. He's the one we live for. He is our reward, but he also is good and merciful and kind and faithful enough that he also rewards Everyone who serves him faithfully with what they are given. He rewards his servants. Notice in Revelation chapter 11 that the reward for the servants, notice this, who all will be rewarded. This is very important, very important for every one of you to hear. He will reward the prophets, he will reward the saints. In other words, he'll reward those maybe that are doing the seen ministry. Let's say the clergy, for instance, the pastors, the prophets, the the evangelists, those who are those who are seen, those who might have a larger ministry, those who may be teaching others, preaching the gospel, etc. But he also rewards the saints, those in the laity, the common folk, the common believer. That might not be on stage, that might not be behind a pulpit, that might not be behind a lectern, but God's going to reward them too. He'll reward all in His church. And in the New Testament, God calls His church the saints. In the New Testament, Paul and the other writers call the beloved believers the saints. Remember the church. Is made up of Jewish and Gentile believers in Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And we are saints. We were sinners, but now we are saints, those set apart for the Lord. But notice this also in Revelation. He's not only going to reward the prophets and the saints, including all those in the church, but he's going to reward all who fear his. Name. All those in the body of Christ who give reverence, honor, and esteem to his holy name. And notice this: it's both small and great. In other words, the big name people, the ones that you would recognize if I lift listed some names, and then little Joe Joe down the street, little Susie, your next door neighbor, little Karen, your daughter, little Mark, maybe who lives in the country down the road from you about a mile. The little ones, small and great. In other words, every believer will be rewarded. Every believer is remembered before the Lord. Every act of service that we do for him, he will reward every Christian, every believer, every saint everyone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ and is serving him. In Malachi chapter three, verses 16 through 18, God speaks of keeping a book of remembrance. Notice this in that passage. Let's read it. Malachi chapter three, verses 16 through 18 says this. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. In other words, it perked up the Lord's ears. He inclined to hear. Notice this. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. That's talking about remember his name, speak of it, talk about his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So God even is keeping a record, a book of remembrance. How precious is that? And lastly, on this point, I just want to bring this out and mention this Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 to encourage every one of you. Whatever your gift is, whatever your ministry is in the body of Christ, do it faithfully, do it with all your heart, because you serve Jesus, and he will reward you in due season, in due time. Notice this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. This is just one passage. There are several others. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight also comes to mind. Galatians 6, 9 comes to mind. We are told there is a reward awaiting god is not unjust to forget what we have done he has a record of it and he will be rewarding on that day he has promised to do so he is good and faithful and he will do what he has said jesus even said in matthew chapter 10 verse 42 that even if someone gives a cup of cold water in his name they will not lose their reward. So God is going to reward people for all the big things, all the little things, all the in-between. Everything done on his behalf will be put to that fiery test, and all the gold, silver, and precious stones that come forth after the test of the fire will be rewarded. Praise be to God. Faithfulness is the key. We must remember the test is about faithfulness if we've been faithful to what God called us to do. And I encourage you to do that because the Bema seat awaits every believer. The third thing that he tells us here that is, it is time for is to destroy the evildoers, those who are corrupting and perverting the earth. Those who willfully have rejected Jesus Christ And are doing all kinds of evil. Those in that Romans 1 crowd that we spoke about in the last episode. True justice is coming. Just like Asaph when he went into the house of the Lord and he found out their end. We must remember God will have a day of reckoning and true justice is coming. Lastly, in this chapter, we see the scene in heaven at this point. We get a glimpse into the heavenly temple. We've already seen the golden altar in earlier chapters, and now we see the Ark of the Covenant, which in the Old Testament represented the presence of God. The very presence of the Lord was represented by this Ark of the Covenant. It was a precious treasure to David, so much so that his heart Bled because he couldn't. He couldn't have it. He was missing the Ark of the Covenant. He needed to get that. His he was desperate to return the presence of the Lord to the place where it belonged. I want to close out as we finish this episode by reading Psalm chapter twenty-seven, and I want to read in verses four and five. Verse four of Psalm twenty-seven. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high. Upon a rock. David missed the presence of the Lord. And it was so precious to him to have that presence, that ark that represented the presence of God. The ark was just a box, but it was the place that God had told them to build for him. And he would come and meet them there and tabernacle with them. And David longed to be in the presence of God to behold the beauty of the Lord and to respect or to inquire of him, to bring honor to him. Hallelujah. Do we have that hunger? I'll just mention this. I do have a series on the tabernacle of David, which is where David placed the Ark of the Covenant and would go in and spend time alone with God. And I have a series on that if you'd like to know more. It's called Beholding the Glory. And it is available in the archives. So here we understand with this glimpse into the heavenly temple, into this awesome presence of God. We realize that He is to be feared and worshiped and adored. But we also see that He is a consuming fire. The Bible tells us that the very presence of God. And now, God is stirred up. He is stirred up. His wrath is kindled and is now decreed on its way. It's a done deal. It's a sure thing. He is a just judge, and he is now going to deal with all of these things in finality until it is complete at this sounding of the seventh angel. And notice that there's a response in the earth. There are these lightnings, thunderings, voices, an earthquake, and great hail that result. Because the holy God, the just judge, is now stirred up. It's time. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.